1: Welcome to the Barcelona Podcast, episode 102 Unmissable Opinions, brought to you by the most influential voices in the FC Barcelona community. Thanks again for tuning in. You can tap in your app and check out the show notes wherever you're listening to the show. You can find us on social media for all these different links. We're on Twitter at the Barcelona Pod or at HiltonD13 for me. On Instagram at the Barcelona Pod. Our closed Facebook group, which you're going to hear their questions later on in La Ronda, that's tbpod.link backslash group. We also have some deeper dives and discussions, and you can help us out on the Patreon to continue making these shows at tbpod.link backslash Patreon. Well, I'm not going to waste any time. It's time for episode 102. I'm Dan Hilton, joined by my co-host for the day, deal, better known, obviously, by his moniker on Twitter, Barca19Stats, which gives you all the good stuff there. So his Twitter handle will be in the show notes. You can also click and give him a follow on Twitter. Today, we're going to answer the question that since our last show, the thing that has happened, other than the Champions League draw, a match against Huesca, but more importantly, the transfer window has come to an end. So for the rest of this season, at least till January... This is the Barcelona squad as we know it, where we will see some guys heal up, Lena or a Busquets. They'll probably be fit in somewhere along the line, both starting with the Barcelona B team and then coming up. But by and large, you look at that first team. So the question is gonna be, how did Barcelona do in the transfer window? We're gonna break down the ins and outs and a deal Again, I haven't let you get a word in edgewise, but I want to say thanks for joining the show. And I know it was on a little bit of, of short notice and schedules got a little confused. But again, you've been accommodating and I appreciate that. Thank you,
2: Dan. Uh, always a pleasure to, to be with you in
1: the, on the pod. Well, I'll list them out for you and then a little back and forth response on to some of the, the ins and outs. But the big picture here is that Barcelona brought in Malcolm, Arthur, Clement Linglet, Arturo Vidal, Carlos Alenia was promoted. Rafinha and Munir are back from loans from a season ago. Out were Yuri Mina, Lucas Dinier, Gerard Delefeu, Alex Vidal, and Marlon. Loaned out were Andre Gomes, Paco Akother, Douglas, whose contract is up after this year, Paulinho, who will be sold to Evergrande at the end of the season for 50 million euros, and Adrian Ortola on loan. And of course, Andres Iniesta went to Japan. So it took me a lot longer to read the outs than the ins. And going into this summer, Adil, it seems like the prevailing idea was that, yes, Barcelona needed a little more quality, but they really had to replace quality, and that meant that they had to make a little money on the exodus. So I guess the first question I'll ask you is, Adil, how comfortable or how well do you think Barcelona did in terms of the bottom line, in terms of the monetary rewards of the transfer window? Uh,
2: well, uh, we, can ha- we can say that we had a very busy summer. Very busy transfer window. I think the priority was uh, to bring on players who are uh, suitable for the type of uh, football that Val- Valverde wants to implement in his second season. But also, we, we had the burden of, of loading the bench warmers who were not uh, really up to, to the task uh, in Valverde's uh, first, uh, first season so uh, that's why we can we can see that we had a lot of uh, players uh, going uh, or, or going uh, on loan uh, for different types of 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 teams but we managed to, to get four uh, big names big in especially in their uh, potential Lenglet and malcolm and uh, and Dahl and arthur uh, i think we we managed to 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 have quality now uh, on the bench uh, players who can come during the game and change the course of the game uh, who can give us uh, the depth that we lacked last season and uh, we will see how this will work out uh, during the season i think the financial aspects is secondary in this in this uh, in this uh, context it's always the sporting uh, Sporting value of the, of the transfers that uh, will be important to, to judge uh, at the end of the season.
1: Yeah, I agree with that, and I, and I and I do understand that as well. But I think taking losses for those few seasons. Well, I, I guess last season even transfer window with Neymar leaving for the amount of money that I mean the, the greatest amount of, of of money ever being moved around in in a, in a transfer window in terms of one single player and then Coutinho and Dembele coming in between January and the summertime and I think it really just threw everything on its head when you're talking about really 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 big amounts and so for for those four guys that come in speaking of the quality the one thing that I, it, there was they say backlash of, of things missing was the midfield didn't have a, a big game breaker or a starter but to me, it, through these few games already this season, you see that Ernesto Valverde is going to be starting what's almost come to be kind of known as his Gala 11, with Sergio Roberto being at at right back, and then Pique, Umtiti, Alba, of course, are in net, Busquets, and Rakitic in the midfield with Coutinho figuring out and learning and getting better and better at that role as the left interior, and then up top, that three of Dembele, Suarez, and Messi. That seems to be, as what we've seen with Valverde, he likes to go with what he knows and trusts, and that's the team that's starting the season, trying to learn how to mesh together. And so that means everybody else on the squad, whether it's Nelson Semedo at right back, of course, Rafinha and Munir Rafinha, because of that real Betis move that was going to happen, really close to happening, but didn't that but didn't eventually happen and fell through, he still hasn't made the squad list, but you expect that to change since he'll be here All fall long, and then Elanyas still injured could be, you know, get a little, a little more playing time once his or coming off the bench as a substitute probably better said once his recovery process goes along for Barca B and then with Vidal, Linglet, Arthur, and Malcolm we've already seen them feature a little bit coming off the bench as options so really was strengthening that bench that's what it is it's that there was no big starting 11 player that was added to the or injected into the team the team is the same 11 who started last season the difference though is that Coutinho it appears will be that left interior and just from a, a tactical perspective it seems like the way that Valverde is going to play the season with that 4 3 3, unless he goes back to his 4 4 2, it looks like they're just changing the way that they were going to play with the same starting 11, which will just be supplemented by, as you mentioned, experience with Vidal. Langlet is of the of, of highest quality, who can both substitute for PK or Mtiti. And then you have Arthur, who is getting rave reviews by not only the media, but, and they're not just. It's not just the media hyping him up before he was ever at Barcelona while he's still playing for Grêmio that he's going to be the future Xavi, but his teammates are hyping him up and seem to really, really believe in his quality, and that's an important thing, and they might just be doing it for for confidence reasons or for press reasons, but it seems like there is something special, and not only do the fans understand it and Kool-Aids, but it looks like the players agree. And Malcolm, in a similar vein, you want to say that he's always going to be compared to and signed because... Dembele need to be pushed but I think in their own right they're a little bit of different players and I think they can also be utilized together eventually if that's where the, the point of the season goes and we'll get to that in La Ronda but a, as you said there is depth there that was added and, and what was lost was players that you just don't have a confidence in whether it was Akathair who was really decent he's on loan with Dortmund but the time that he was with Barcelona Again, he was decent when he was on, but he never really got that chance to shine. So how will you know that he was going to put in goals when he, doesn't, when he goes weeks without playing? And Andre Gomez was a player that, again, was well talked about on this show. You just didn't have the confidence that he was going to be a game-breaker, as you said, a guy of impact. So I think the whole point is that Barcelona brought in guys who could impact a game and, and make a change when they're inserted in the 60, 70th minute and then that's not even that's, this, that's not even counting Rafinha and Munir, who are again two guys that already are comfortable at the camp know, know what they're doing and we'll see what they can do in supplemental roles uh,
2: exactly exactly uh, as we said as you said uh, Valverde has already his eye on his uh, starting 11 his gala starting 11 if we can say with Fantastic Four uh, Coutinho Dembele Suarez uh, and Messi up front now we have the players who can uh, allow Valverde to to make rotations more to play the lesser games of La Liga and the Copa games with the the bench warmers and the youngsters uh, without really having to worry about uh, results uh, this way we can have the our key players with uh, fresh legs and with enough truth to to discuss the decisive moments of the season in La Liga and in Champions League with uh, enough energy and enough uh, determinations to go uh, and
1: uh, win double of La Liga and uh, Champions League. And the one player that I mentioned leaving, Andres Iniesta for Japan, my view on this is that it's probably a season too early as he, even with a reduced role, he still would have been one of the best options for the team, at least through the season. But we know why he left. We understand and we support his decision for going to japan and finally leaving barcelona but that said it's do you get the feeling that there's still going to be some kind of iniesta size hole or do you think that barcelona being different now it's it's an evolution and then they are changing um not necessarily away from what the things that Iniesta did well but do you find that it's it's going to be a you're going to feel like it's a big loss or is it merely just we think about him as even a younger player and we think about the quality that he's always had. It's
2: definitely a big loss uh, for uh, everything that Iniesta represents and for everything Iniesta uh, does on the field. Uh, like uh, we missed Xavi, uh, his place is still uh, vacant to this, to this moment. We, we don't have a player with his, with his uh, quality, with his, uh, with his uh, stature to to dictate the tempo and to to make the the kind of impacts on the game that we used to have when we had both Xavi and uh, Iniesta. Now that Iniesta is gone, uh, like you said, it's an evolution. Uh, Coutinho is already filling in in that uh, la, last interior uh, role. He's doing well so far in the first three or four games of this of the season. I think it's. A matter of uh, cohesion and, co- uh, and the understanding between the players uh, who are in attack and mid- midfield. If we, if Valverde can uh, reach this cohesion between uh, those four players—Coutinho, Messi, Suarez, Dembele—without uh, heavily uh, impacting the defensive role of the team, I think we can have destructive force up front. We can see that Valverde is already trying to work this uh, mechanism in the first La Liga games because he, he played the, uh, those games with the same starting eleven. I think he will make some rotations afterward, but for now he needs to uh, find the perfect balance for the team uh, so those players with uh, big, big uh, quality can play together and work together without Having uh, those, uh, those uh, defensive uh, problems uh, uh, like we, we've seen against Huesca against or against uh,
1: Varadori. So it sounds like we both agree, and it also has seen that the, the prevailing notion is that Barcelona had a successful transfer window. And now that we've, and it's, it's easy to say that it was successful on paper, but now that we've seen it in action, but by action, I mean with those additions coming off as bench players and substitutes so again really with him having the starting 11 and the majority of the minutes played so far this season with guys that were with the team last year it does seem though that yes it might just be the early season but there are still tactical things to work out but when you look at who was brought in as much as it seems like again you can just be happy with the names on paper the guys they brought in were all established guys who are going to be bringing in certain things and we've seen them showcase those things already in the preseason whether again it was Arthur who has not completely flopped Malcolm who looks like he's got some energy to him and some skill Langlet who again is a center back who knows what you're going to bring and Vidal has already played like Vidal in in the short minutes that he's got so it does appear that Barcelona unequivocally have approved and I think that's where we improved and we and we both do land on that side of the fence is that correct Adil you think we can put a a bow on this one this conversation about the transfer window and just say that you know money wise they wound up coming out well enough when it comes to the depth of the squad they improved it and when it comes to quality of who they brought in it seems like they brought in talented players so it seems like that's three wins for me
2: yeah exactly uh, I think that's uh uh, we can count Dembele uh, also as as a new signing because the last season he had so many injuries uh, and uh, was in and out of the of the team that uh, he couldn't really uh, impose himself. Now that he's having a good start, I think that with the, the, the signings uh, we, we we had, the team is stronger, is has more quality, and uh, in the decisive. Decisive moments of the of the season. I think uh, those four new signings will uh, reveal to be uh, very very uh, decisive in the. Uh, in the in the hands of the of the
1: big title yeah i agree with that as well and uh, that'll kind of wrap up la gran Pagunta in pretty neat and tidy fashion and so that moves us into la ronda which i, I think today is going to be a much more hard-hitting and, and nuanced discussion as opposed to la gran Pagunta, which is usually just a lot about hot takes but we're gonna have to take some chances here in the la ronda first questions from dean and charlie and this is concerning that barcelona versus girona match where We've been hearing about the match that's scheduled to be in the US, that they want to be pushing it through in early 2019. And while it doesn't seem like it's completely over the line, hey everybody, Future Dan here. This Girona versus Barcelona match is officially set to take place in January, the 27th to be exact. And Girona, being the home team, it's been reported, will be reimbursed any ticket costs for the original match. That was originally set to take place obviously at Girona so this is an official thing that has happened just after we recorded the show just to let everyone know that this is happening those season ticket holders for Girona that are not going to be making the trip to the U.S. will receive a 20% discount on their season ticket and about 5,000 free tickets will be distributed for the first Catalan Derby if you will or obviously the first match between Barcelona and Girona at the Camp Nou on September the 23rd. There's also the option of a 40% drop on season ticket costs if the fans refuse or just choose not to go to either of those matches. So that's actually the official situation right now that both teams are dealing with. All right, back to normal regular present Dan. Even the Girona edition of Les which is the, the the sports paper in Girona, they have basically said that it's everybody coming to Miami in the U.S., that it's going to be a La Liga match, and it's going to be Barcelona versus Girona. And now, Adil, I, I know you're in Morocco, so there was a little bit of early backlash against the Spanish Super Cup being played in Morocco, and I think these are... Com- yeah, yeah I, but I think these are... You can't even compare the two because, again, Morocco is, what, an extra 45-minute plane ride, if that, to get to that, that stadium? And even then... You know, there, there, was a, there was a Moroccan League formerly playing in the top division in Spain. Their neighbors, they're right there, as opposed to what is an eight-plus-hour flight across the Atlantic Ocean to get to Miami. And more importantly, the because now it seems like it's going to be Barcelona versus Girona, what started out as conspiracy ideas has really come into, did La Liga choose this because of, of, of the Catalan independence movement? are they just trying to to quiet something and ruffle feathers and then the again it's just reactive and counter reactive where then the reaction to that became well if they're going to put the Barcelona Girona match to try to curb some of the Catalan independence we'll say, we'll say cheers and 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 discussion if they're trying to table that it seems to me that uh, a lot of people have said they're going to double down on it, and that means that they're going to try harder and make it louder. If you're going to try to remove it, and that's a lot, a lot of time, that's what happens with, with any protest, any any movement. That you know, when a big body tries to quiet it, it just makes it even louder. Much like you know, the Hydra two more will pop up, and it, it seems to me that that's where the discussion is going. But a I, I deal with all these times that Aliga has made these changes, the other part of me says that. This, if it's official, the players are going to complain, they're not going to be happy, and yes, they did threaten a strike, but if this all goes through and the money is there, the way that money moves things forward, it seems that it might just happen, and it might happen without a, without a, a yell, without much of a, a stir being caused. And it's, I, I find this a discussion so polarizing because obviously we can't foresee the future. We don't know how it's going to happen. So uh, it's, it's either that Barcelona's Girona in Miami happens and it just explodes because the players don't want to do it or they threaten to strike or they do strike or that the Catalan independence movement is at the forefront of everything because it just causes more trouble or because of the big money involved, does this kind of just wind up being a lot of complaining and then go off without a hitch? I think both are just as reasonably likely.
2: Yeah, and, uh, you can see that uh, La Liga doesn't have really a clear st- strategy for, for, for this. They, they, they struck a deal for 15 years for playing La Liga games in the US before having the consen- consent of the, of the teams, of the players. They don't know so far officially which, which games or uh, how many games will be played. They say uh, there will be only one game uh, for this season. First it was Betis against Barcelona, now they say it's Girona against Barcelona, and uh, political uh, discussion aside, I think that it's not fair for, uh, for, for, for the host team to play uh, uh, a game uh, in the US because they, 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 they lose the, the advantage of the home. And when they lose that, they can, it can affect the results of the game. Whether it will be one point or three points, that could be uh, at the end of the season uh, very decisive. Teams like Girona, for example, uh, can be playing for, for 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 to stay in La Liga, and those uh, and those points can uh, cause a relegation. Uh, I don't know really the, the the reasoning behind uh, this uh, this move especially that like i said it's not the strategy behind it is not very very clear and uh, we, will, we will see what will happen with the players who, who are uh, uh, collectively uh, refusing to, to 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 play this game in the us uh, now the la liga is moving forward with the plan uh, I really uh, don't know uh, what will happen, but, uh, but we'll
1: see. Yeah, there's still so much up in the air, and we'll continue to get this question and have these discussions. But here's a little fun one, a deal that I'll let you tackle on your own. Mutaz asked 21-year-old Neymar versus 21-year-old Dembele. And I think Mutaz already answered his own question as well. And he says, what does Dembele need to do to get to Neymar level? Twenty-one-year-old Neymar was truly special, and you can tell the quality he had. And Dembélé really still is a, a work in progress, even at 21. Uh, but again, he's only 21, and Dembélé still has a lot to work on. And with two feet that work pretty well, both the left and the right, Dembélé is phenomenal. Is better than most guys his his age, 21 years old, with both his left and his right, than they are with their best foot.
2: Yeah, and. Uh... Uh, one thing is that uh, Neymar and Dembele, I think they they made the right move at the right time. At 21, uh, Neymar was already in in Barcelona. He was, uh, for footballistically, he was mature enough to to be uh, in a big team. It's the same for Dembele, but I think that for Dembele he had a really uh, tough time with uh, with uh, injuries and uh, he couldn't really integrate the team. Uh, Quickly, Neymar. When he came with uh, Tata Martino, he was already one of the of the stars of the of the team. We remember that that season where Messi had uh, had a, uh, a very uh, uh, worrying injury, and he wasn't really up to to his uh, his level. Uh, with the World Cup uh, coming, we've seen that Neymar had some responsibility of the of uh, of, of of the team. And uh, now uh, I think that Dembele, with the, the help of Messi and Suarez, and with the confidence of Valverde, uh, uh, I think I think he can be uh, at the same level at, uh, uh, as Neymar was in the in the, in, this, in the Luis Enrique season.
1: Yeah, I think the comparisons, unfortunately, are going to keep following Dembele because of the price that he was bought at and the level that he is capable of reaching. But to talk about guys that probably won't be reaching that level. Rick asks, what do we do with the likes of Denise Suarez and Rafinha and Sergi Samper, midfielders who didn't even make the squad last match versus Suesca? Should they just be using cup matches to the likes of Coutinho, Rakitic, and the rest can continue to just gel and work together? And Denise Suarez... You know my guests have been kind of saying it in the past, and I, I'm not a defender of Denise Suarez. Uh, certainly, my guest from last week, Barcelleve, is is the opposite of a of a Denise Suarez defender. But that said, it seems like Denise will not really ever get a sniff. He will most likely be not only not not on the bench, but he'll be in the stands or not at the stadium most weeks. Rafinha and Semper I'd say, were the same thing with Denise Suarez. Basically, Semper is going to heal up and you know just wait for either a loan or a uh, being sold in January, unfortunately. But for Rafinha, it appears that you know, he has a role to play. You saw in the preseason, and you saw with Inter, more importantly, last year that Rafinha is is, is of great quality, and he might have the argument, along with Vidal, for being the most talented sub coming off the bench. I think Rafinha is much more polished at this point and knows Barcelona even better than Arthur. So I think Rafinha really does have a role to play in this team and it's not just cup matches i think rafinha and when you talk about rotation i think this is an important thing um as eli also asked should arthur be starting more matches i i don't think the answer to that is simple it's not yet for arthur i think he's he appears to have a lot of quality and appears to be figuring things out rather quickly getting assimilated with the system and the camp no but that said i think ref- when you talk about rotation you don't change the, the midfield three. Catinho Rakitic, Busquets doesn't just for a Huesca match turn into Rafinha, Arthur, Vidal, but instead it's going to be Rafinha coming in for Catinho or for Rakitic and then that guy gets a rest. And then the next match, Vidal comes in for Busquets and, then, and it kind of works in that order. And, but, and I know Vidal and Busquets isn't the, the matchup. It's going to be Rakitic moving back to the defensive mid and, and then Vidal coming into the midfield with Coutinho or whatever it may have you be I I think that that rotation is it's not just swap a whole group in for a whole group out and that's something a a little bit of confusion we got so with that said I think Rafinha uh, he should be starting and it wouldn't be surprising if he does get a start not over Coutinho or Rakitic but just to let them rest instead of and I think that's the role he's going to play all season long yeah and
2: uh, and we've seen he had a fantastic uh, preseason with uh, with the team he is as you said someone who can come off the bench and uh, and uh, change the course of a game the
1: key here is the the management of the players uh,
2: minutes uh, and games i remember the, the first time i was uh, on the pod with, with uh, francesc uh, i talked about about this and uh, and uh, how the lack of uh, of uh, players management hurt us on the long run now that we have those uh, different pro- pro- profiles of the, of the midfielders, with uh, enough quality to, to impact games, we can have many many options uh, for the midfield. Uh, something also that uh, get lost uh, when uh, in uh, in discussions is that uh, it's the, the the manager and the coaching staff who is training those players every day. They have better look at their form at their uh, readiness than us. So, if a player is not uh, a starter, uh, if he's having a great week in training, I think that the, the manager is uh, inclined to, to to start him in the next game. Of course, it depends on the on the importance of the of the games. But uh, for uh, for La Liga, for example, I think that we can uh, give enough minutes to those uh, midfielders, uh, so uh, we can have them in. Uh, in, uh, in better uh, form uh, for the for the for the upcoming months of the season. Uh, for Samper, I think is uh, like you said, it's uh, just a matter of time. Uh, he had a very very serious injuries, so uh, he couldn't uh, really find a suitable team for him uh, for now. For Denis Suarez, I think that he showed last season that he can uh, have an impact as a sub if his uh, good in training I think Valverde will they will give him uh, some chances
1: next one from Henry asking about Busquets or Rakitic is Rakitic the ideal Busi replacement when needed and Henry I, I think you did answer your own question here that Rakitic the way they play is set up best to play that defensive midfield role we've also seen Sergio Roberto play there, and again, don't be too surprised if every now and again Valverde doesn't throw out a four four two. And if he seems like the four three three isn't working, a formation shift could be happening. And we saw in the big matches last season, particularly in the Champions League, with the group, and we'll get to that in a second. But with the heavy hitters in the group that Barcelona are facing, that four four two with the two defensive midfielders would not be all that surprising. So going with the traditional four three three with one, you know, Busquets being that the Busquets role and that's kind of where we're at with Busquets is so such an important player throughout the last you know decade plus that we know that we now call it the Busquets role in the same way that there's a Xavi role and the Iniesta role and while it's taking seasons and time to get away from that idea that you need exactly a Iniesta type player and a Xavi type player and a Busquets type player to create this perfect midfield triumvirate that just you know because of their profiles and Obviously, those were three of the greatest in those positions ever, but I don't think it's—I I think we're moving away from the point when it's just the Busquets role saying as a center defensive midfielder for Barcelona, this is what you do X, Y, Z. That four four two last year showed us that not only do multiple players play it, but when Rakitic does play in that defensive midfield role, he does a little bit of his own stuff. He's a different player, but— he does also do a good job of doing the things that are expected of Busquets, if, if that makes sense. And, and so I think the answer to Henry's question is uh, unequivocally yes.
2: Yes, of course, I agree.
1: Uh, All right, so not wasting any more time. Debdeep has two questions. So he has one question that I'm going to let you answer completely on your own, A deal, and I'm going to tackle the other one. His first one, can we finally be unabashedly optimistic about the season after the game last week, or was the Huesca game a poor indicator of things to come?
2: Personally, I'm always optimistic. We can't really judge on on three or four games. Now we, we played four official games, uh, and uh, uh, the results were, were uh, very promising. This is the, the the best start of La Liga uh, in the history of Barcelona with uh, three wins and uh, and uh, goal difference of, uh, of of ten. We also had four wins and uh, fourteen goals in the four games. If you count the the Super Copa. So this is really promising from a statistical point of view. From a footballistic point of view, I think we we can agree that we have uh, glimpses of, of a very strong team, uh, especially going forward uh, with Messi and in, in 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 in, in the, his best form uh, uh, in years. I think that now we've seen. Uh, Complete miss the, the 100% complete missy uh, in attack in the last three years. Uh, he can do everything from scoring, from assisting, from creating chances, from dribbling, from uh, breaking the lines. And with Dembele coming in his role, with Coutinho uh, starting to to get accommodated with with his new role, I think that the 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 only uh, points of. Uh, of uh, exc- exclamation is, is, uh, is maybe Luis Suarez, his form is for, is, uh, is going up and down, uh, really, uh, he, he doesn't really give the security and the confidence we had with him in his first years, but in the start of the season, we can see that despite him having some physical issues, that his, his, his mind is in the right place. Uh, especially in this game against Huesca, uh, he had uh, a very good game, and uh, from a confidence point of view, I think this will help him a lot to get back to his uh, to his best self. Uh, I think that he he also start to understand that he need to be uh, rested from time to time. He just said that. Uh, before the game against against Roma in the Oladokun, he shouldn't have played uh, the 19 games, 19 minutes against uh, Leganés, and that shows a certain maturity that we we didn't have in him before. So if uh, we can have Luis Suarez in his best form, if Messi uh, can continue to do his magic, if Dembele uh, manages to 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 implement himself. In the starting eleven, with uh, with uh, his defensive duties, I think that Farberde has a big uh, role in in uh, in, in making uh, a cohesive system that can go and compete for everything, especially for La Liga and uh, and the Champions League. And we are here for the ride, and uh, we will enjoy it, and we will see what happens at the end of the season.
1: Well, Adil, you did a good job of answering Daniel's question, which was going to be the final question of the day, which is about the rotation, particularly of Suarez, and it even made mention Daniel did to the what he said about the the Roma away leg. So the second part of Dead Deep's question, which I guess I'll handle here, is he says, where is Frances? And that's a question that we've been getting a lot. So I know I'm burying it deep into deep into the 102 podcast, and it's been weeks and weeks, but I, I do want to give, again, as our listeners, faithful listeners, not only thank you for listening um, as Frances, Frances has been away, but I do want to just give a, a little more clarity uh, that Frances has had a life change and he's gone. Uh, he has He did have a big move, and I've mentioned that on the show before. And so... With Frances in this big move, I'm gonna let him speak on what this means for his role in the future of the podcast. But we'll, I, I will say that you have not heard, certainly not heard, the last of Frances, and the show will continue to go on. Again, I've had so many wonderful co-hosts. Um, a deal again, thank you for coming on this week. But we've had so many wonderful co-hosts for the last now about two and a half or so months. And so Frances, again, he is still out there. He listens to the show. He hears your guys' questions. He's available on the tbpod.link backslash group. And again, you will hear from him shortly, I say, in in the near future, even if it is in a little bit more than just a few weeks or... or what have you, it's going to be him to explain what his role with the show coming up is, what has been going on with him in his personal life, if he so is inclined to, to explain it. Uh, but again, Frances and I, we are still very, very, uh, very good friends on good terms. And again, he's always around and listening to this show. So hi, Frances. But um, the answer is that Frances is around, but not necessarily on the show. But again, he has not gone forever and we have not heard the last of Frances. So again, thanks for all the positive support that not only we've gotten since you've kind of stopped hearing his voice regularly, but also in terms of just asking for uh, again, a, the the other half of this show for its first year, uh, year plus of its existence. So again, thanks for the support continued support and we will be hearing from Frances soon. No worries on that. So let's move on from that topic and get a little lighter again. Our final question and deal of the day is a two-parter that we're both were so good and important that I did not want to look over either. So again, usually if you ask questions in the Facebook group, as you can tell, you only get one of your two usually answered. So just asking one and sharing the love is a lot easier. But Henry asked two good ones, so I want to hit on both of these. First, this kind of a one-off here. Thoughts on Barcelona B's new signings in Ronald Arejo and Musa uh, Vague? And the thinking behind this these two signings is that while there are a lot of center backs on the Barca B roster, the center pool, the center back pool at Barcelona going deeper and not just about Eric Garcia moving to Man City all those years ago, but center back isn't really a deep position. So am I thinking about the Arejo signing in particular, a Uruguayan center back, is that Barcelona Yes, they are producing a lot of their own good players, but they can't get every single youngster, so bring a a guy who's still a teenager into the system and giving him a few years in this much, much younger Barca B team with, we'll say, less responsibility as a Segunda Division Bay where you're not... I say worried about relegation, but the results should happen. And while they have lost their first two matches, did Barcelona B, I expect them to turn things around rather quickly. Since recently, Cucurea was shipped out on loan. So Juan Miranda, both being the backup to Jordi Alba and being the starter, and with very little substitution for him down with Barca B, Juan Miranda is going to have to have a big season whether or not he likes it. But that said, maybe one of these multiple center back options will be supplementing him at left back for Barca B in the same way that for Alba, of course, we know Langlet and Titi can both supplement at left back. And the Musa Vague um, signing for me, and deal you can attest to this too, after the, not even, he was signed before the injury to Mate Mori, who I think is the most promising right back and has been since he was 13, 14 years old. He's got a long-term injury. He'll be out at least till February. And behind him, Guillerme Wam is a winger by trade and has been supplementing at right back but the way you look at it if they have a center back playing right back who's kind of out of position again none of them are really comfortable with this the right back position it seemed like Barcelona B all of a sudden wound up being really short and then the big picture here before again now a deal Ali and I didn't mean to monopolize this conversation but it seems to me that Barcelona B got not rid of their dead weight but they got rid of the players that were signed to help them through the Segunda Division A, and now that they are with the with the Bay side and everything is moved on, juvenil A has moved up, including the coach in Pimienta. One or two signings does not change the philosophy of a team and does not change the way that things are working. They these are merely very 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 talented teenagers who are supplementing positions of need, you'd have to say, and I think they could be important parts of the puzzle moving forward. And guys that Barca does. Not, all, not, not that they were signed just for Barca B, but they were signed for the future of the first team as well. That's how talented these two are.
2: Yeah, exactly. And uh, we can see that uh, Pimienta is uh, really uh, relying heavily on, the, on juvenile uh, A players. He knows them very well. And uh, the core of, of his team are players who are products of, of La Masia. Uh, those two signings are here to, to, to help team uh, unfortunately uh, wage was uh, injured uh, early on uh, his his uh, journey with with Barça bay but he's a good player we've seen him in the in the world cup with the national team of senegal uh, he has uh, potential and uh, with the injury of uh, mateo uh, and loan of uh, valencia to to bordeaux uh, this uh, uh, right back position that we had uh, so many players uh, in uh, seems uh, to to be a problem for, for the team of Lewage will will uh, come back soon. Arejo is for me personally is an unknown. Like uh, it was uh, Bueno, I hope he will uh, fare better than than Bueno uh, uh, did with uh, with the Bay team. Uh, but now that the team are in Segunda Bay, there is no pressure for for for, for relegation. Uh, I, I I hope so. So, Pimieta can really give special attention to developing players and making them ready for the the jump for the first team.
1: And the final question again from Henry. What do you think of the Champions League group? And this is going to be a one-off feeling. We are going to go a deeper dive into previewing these teams. So, you're not going to hear the big names now. Yeah, I'll say that they're facing Harry Kane and Luke de Jong for PSV and Mauro Icardi up top and you always worry about the attackers on the other team but Inter Milan a team we'll say a little bit in transition who are better than they were last season they weren't bad last year but Inter if they can figure everything out with um, with Nagdolin from coming over from Roma Inter certainly have quality and that's kind of what you're afraid of and then Tottenham as well we know what they're capable of they're trying to also go for a Premier League title and they In the same respect, or if you think that Barcelona have issues with their depth and rotation, Tottenham have basically kept... They didn't make a single transfer uh, coming in, and it's basically the same team, and they're relying on youngsters as their bench players and backups, so they're trying to utilize their academy. And then PSV, the best in the Netherlands, for two of the last three years, they have quality as well, but certainly an opponent that Barcelona should deal with handily. That said, I think my general reaction was not that Barcelona shouldn't win their group and potentially win their group easily but because of the quality of these three opponents it's not that for me the fear is that the group will not really be decided until the final match day and even with that these big matchups you don't think about it Even physically, but emotionally, getting up to play Tottenham twice, having to play, getting up to play Inter Milan twice, and even PSV, who are as Man United, you can ask them, are not easy in the Champions League either, or Europa League. And so to get up emotionally for those six matches, I think not even gonna hurt the Champions League campaign, because Barcelona are going to have to take care of business. Again, you don't lose to Inter at home, who should be the third place team in the group. You don't lose to them at home if you hope to win the Champions League trophy. You have to have a complete campaign. But that said, my worry is that because they're getting up and obviously they're gonna have to play the Gala 11 for those matches, that might hurt La Liga. And with Real Madrid seemingly doing well, you know that while Atletico Madrid and Valencia have dropped points already, they'll be back. Sevilla, Real Batiste looks improved. So with that depth in La Liga, teams are going to be nipping at their heels as well and this is going to be a difficult season certainly on all three fronts and not that it wasn't in years past but more so than with i think that group means that you're going to have to have even heavier rotation in the copa del rey and all the way up through in april and may verfinia is going to have to be that that starring midfielder if you're going to win the copa del rey this season even late on i i think that rotation is has to, has to, has to happen because it all can't work. Something has to give.
2: Yeah, uh, exactly. And uh, uh, now that's uh, more so with uh, with this, uh, with this uh, tough group, I think the, the focus will should be on the double of La Liga and Champions League. We can give warmers and the uh, youngsters chances in the Copa del Rey games. Some think that we didn't do uh, last season or the season before, and uh, it hurt us in the long run. Uh, for the Champions League, I think that the group it is tough. But personally, I think that when you have big names, three hard teams that compete with you, that means that the chances of those teams uh, losing points to each other is bigger. So uh, it gives you a kind of uh, an advantage. Also, the, the 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 fixtures of the of the of Barcelona, I think. They they have uh, an advantage. They host PSV first. They can have those uh, first uh, three points and start uh, in a good uh, manner. And if things get get complicated, they can rely on the fifth and sixth games. We have PSV away, uh, and the last game is Tottenham at home. So even if things get complicated, we can get things done in the last two games. Uh, I think that's. This is a big test for Valverde uh, and his uh, skills of managing uh, the squad. In La Liga, uh, there are games where you can trust your bench, uh, especially with uh, the quality that we have now in the subs. You can trust your uh, subs uh, and uh, reserve your uh, key players for the important game of Champions League without hurting your your chances uh, in La Liga. Yeah. and. Uh, uh, at the end of this year, uh, uh, in December, we will have a clearer look. Hopefully, we will be uh, advancing from the group, and we will be in the pole position in La Liga. And uh, in in any case, when La Copa uh, starts, uh, we should be always focusing on La Liga and Champions League. And uh, uh, given uh, rest for our key players in the Copa we've won it in the last four four years. We can uh, afford to not uh, compete uh, for a severely this year. So the focus, as Lionel Messi said, is Champions League. But I will also add that the, 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 the important thing is that La Liga and Champions League for Barcelona goes go hand in hand. In our history, we've never won Champions League without winning La Liga. Uh, so when we are in a good position uh, and man, when we manage to 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 have a good
1: squad, we always go all in for the two big uh, competition. Yes, yeah, certainly. And over the course of even doing this podcast and you know having these discussions with so many people, you know, Frances was always a hardliner on the fact that the treble is not something that should be expected. And I think we got to a point for Barcelona because of just the success of Pep Guardiola that the treble should, it, it, there's a sense of entitlement, unfortunately, that has happened. And I think, again, I, I even watching Huesca, I know they lost 8-2, but looking at that first half, I don't think it was even about that Barcelona got, it's okay that they got their tactics wrong. I think that happens. And I think the quality of our opposition, who were able to capitalize on Barcelona getting their tactics wrong, shows you that, Again, no team in the Liga, even though again they lost eight two, things did come off the rail, but goals when a match is already lost, goals seem to be able to flow in a little easier. And again, having lost Sevilla Derby the Sevilla Derby, there is quality in the Liga and especially in that top six, seven, eight, and teams are going to test Barcelona, and it's silly to think that Barcelona could just or deserve the treble. It's extremely difficult and the focus this year has been stated, is to recapture the Champions League, is to end that reign from Real Madrid. Barcelona, it's time for them to recapture that one. That's going to be the focus. And La Liga, again, you they want to get that Liga title. So whatever happens, Copa del Rey, not to say that they're giving up on that trophy, but it, I think it has to be a watch. There has to be focus elsewhere. And my final thought would be that October, it's been publicized that it, it just doesn't stop. It, it accumulates in El Clasico, but October is jam-packed full of difficult matches and fixtures. But that said, in the same respect, the positive is that if Barcelona is able to navigate October and get through both La Liga and Champions League with success in the month of October, they're going to put themselves in pole position as, as you said, a deal to set themselves up for March and April and May, where not that things are easier, but that they've already done half the job and that, that they can just only spend about two or three months putting the pedal to the metal, not worrying about any summer, big summer tournaments, not having to worry about a World Cup. And they can just go all in for those last three months if they manage October properly. So really, it's just four very, very important months of the season where Valverde is going to have to worry about rotations, about putting players in situations where they're going to succeed in big matches who aren't necessarily that gala 11. You can't continue to throw them out all of October. It's just it's physically impossible and doesn't it's not conducive for a successful March and April and May. So all that said, a deal. we did cover plenty of topics. Again, it's the beginning of September, so the news about Barcelona is every single day. It's daily, but we do our show once a week, so we appreciate, again, that since we're doing one show and not two like we used to uh, last spring, that we have jam-packed shows that go a little longer, so we appreciate you, the listener, for sticking with us, and I appreciate you, a deal, for, again, times got messed up at the beginning of this, but I'm glad we had you on, and thanks so much for joining us.
2: Uh, Thank you, Dan. It's always a pleasure to to be with you. Uh, My best to you and to Francesc, and uh, uh, hopefully we will uh, talk soon on the pod.
1: And Adil, the last thing before I let you go, I'll ask, where again can people find you?
2: Mainly on uh, on Twitter, uh, at Barça19Stats.
1: So, again, there's plenty of good stuff. You'll see that the Barcelona podcast, we retweet him. He does, again, have the deep dive and the hard looks, and it's difficult to fit that in a tweet, but somehow Adil's able to do it. But, again, thanks for listening to the Barcelona podcast. Until next time, we'll talk to you soon, and for Barca.